Mark Twain famously wrote, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you discover why. Now, I don't know if those are the two most important days, but those are certainly two very important days. Very important, the day you're born, obviously that's the day you enter into this world, but the day you discover the why of your life, that's a pretty big deal. It sets the trajectory of the decisions you make and the relationships you keep and the <clears throat> pathways you follow. To discover the why is a big deal. As we look in Ephesians chapter 1 and we begin this series of messages on the powerful promises of God that we find in Ephesians chapter 1, my hope and prayer today is that you begin to discover, if you haven't already discovered, the why, the why of your life. Um, now, as we look at this passage, we're going to look at the first six verses and encourage you to take your pen, paper, your little note app, and your phone uh, right in the margin of your copy of Scripture. We're going to be uh, doing kind of a deep dive in this passage in, in a way that maybe I don't normally do, uh, but we're going to, you know, you'll want to underline words and write down this means that, that kind of stuff. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, big stuff in the first six verses. I almost didn't do the first six verses at once. I almost did verses one and two, and then uh, verse three, and then verse four, and then verses five and six. That's what I almost did, but I ran out of time uh, on, on my preaching calendar. So we're going to take these six verses, and we're going to uh, dive into them. Now, you might say, what does that have to do with being adopted? Well, um, the why of our life really does depend on where you are in your relationship with God. Uh, now, as you look at your relationship with God I, and, and who you are, you're in one of two categories. You're either a stranger to God or you're a son and daughter of God. Now, those are the only two categories. And by the way, all of humanity is divided in those two categories. You're either a stranger of God that means you're not part of his family. None of these promises apply to you. Uh, what I'm about to say doesn't connect with you because you're a stranger to God. Or you're a son, you're a daughter of God. And if you're a son, a daughter of God, then the promises we find throughout Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, everything we're looking at in verses 1 through 6 uh, apply to you. And being a son or a daughter is not something that you are born into by your own volition. Being a son or a daughter happens because God in his great love adopts you into his family. So what we look at today is really important in determining the why of your life because first of all, you begin to see, am I a stranger to God or am I part of his family? Am I a son or a daughter to God? And then if I am a son or a daughter of God, then how does that being part of his family, adopted in his family, how does that affect my life? What is the trajectory of my life because of that? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to begin. We're going to look at, at uh, the first six verses. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to read some of these verses. I'm going to talk about them a little bit. 
and then after we get through with the six verses talking about them, then I'm going to try to give us some application or, or why it matters to us, okay? All right, so beginning in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful ones in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's stop right there. Here's what Paul's doing. Paul is doing what letter writers in the first century always did. He began with telling people, this is who I am. I'm sending you the letter. Uh, this is who you are, as if you didn't know. Let me tell you who you are. Uh, this is to whom I'm sending the letter. And then a grace and peace to you, or God bless you, or have a, uh, you know, dear uh, so-and-so, it's, it's kind of a regular thing. Now, uh, you pick up a letter in the first century, uh, uh, in the, uh, 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 you'll, you'll see that kind of thing. But when we pick it up in Scripture, it has significantly more meaning to us. Now, Paul, that, that's Paul, the guy who had been saved in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. He was the persecutor of the, of the church, and, and Jesus appeared to him on the road, uh, brought him to his knees, brought him to repentance. He became a, no longer a stranger to God, but then became a son adopted into God's family by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what happened in Acts chapter 9. And so now Paul is called by the will of God to be an apostle. An apostle is one who is sent by God in a particular vocational way. This was what he did. This is the, the meaning of his life. He was an apostle. And he went from town to town and village to village, and he would share the good news of God's rescuing love with strangers of God, those who are separated from God by their sin. And he offered to them the way to become sons and daughters of God. And and um, as, they, as he shared the gospel, churches were birthed, and he planted those churches. And that was what he did as um, the trajectory of his life. He is an apostle by the will of God. Uh, Paul didn't choose to be an apostle. It was something God called him to. It wasn't that he woke up one day and said, hey, I want to do this. Uh, people have asked me, and even after the first service, it, it, you know, uh, how did you become a pastor? And I said, reluctantly. I, and it was. It was reluctant. Edie and I started dating. I wasn't going to be a preacher. I was going to be an accountant. And God love her for sticking with me through this journey, right? I, but I wasn't going to be a preacher. Uh, one of the reasons I wasn't going to be a preacher is because my dad was. My dad was a pastor. I knew what it was all about, and I wasn't interested in it. It wasn't that I gave up on the church. I was involved. Edie and I were involved in, in the church that we attended. I led a life group there, and um, and, and so I love the church. I just didn't want to be the pastor of the church because I knew what that meant. And in my fifth or sixth year of being an accounting journey, going into accounting in college, that's five or six years of college to get an accounting degree. <laughs> really, I, I was a really good fisherman and I was a pretty good golfer, by the way. I did. Anyway, as going going and getting that accounting degree, finally, it, God just shook me to the very core of my being and said, "No, this is what I want you to do. I want you to let go this idea of what your life should look like, and I want you to pursue this life over here, and and I want you to give all your life to serving me through the local church 
as a preacher or a pastor. And so I wasn't able to escape that. I, 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 I wanted to, but I couldn't. And because God called me to it, that, that was the trajectory of my life from that point forward. And the trajectory of our life from that point forward. And God in his grace uh, sustains us through that and empowers us and equips us. But honestly, I couldn't do anything else. And this is what I'm called to do. Now, that was being an apostle. Uh, and, and, and you might not be called to be pastor or something like that. Some of, some of you are called to bivocational ministry or co-vocational ministry where you're, uh, you're working in uh, what I would call the real world because church world is not necessarily the real world. You're working in the real world and, and you're, you're around people that say nasty things all the time. I'm just kidding. They, they don't. Or maybe they do. Anyway. You're, you're working around real people with real problems who many of them are strangers to the family of God, but God has sent you there and you're doing that, but you're also uh, on an assignment of service to God in the local church in a, a, a dual capacity. And so some of you are, are, are called like I'm called, some of you are called in a co-vocational or bivocational way, some of you are called um, to be on mission where you are. You're at work, and uh, you work with people, and you're not called to um, uh, do anything except work in that place, but be on mission for Jesus in that place. We have an assignment. Uh, So when Paul says, I'm an apostle by the will of God, that is certainly talking about a particular assignment, but then he says to the saints and the faithful ones in Ephesus. Now, saints is a Greek term, hagios. And it means, at its core, it means someone who's been set apart for some special service for God. Now, he wasn't talking about Mother Teresa here. He was talking about average Joe and average Jolene follower of Jesus. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. If you are a son or a daughter of God through faith in Jesus Christ, then you are hagioi. You're hagios. You're you're not Hagendas. That's what I started thinking of. Hagios. You are a saint. You have been set aside by God for his special service. So when you go and you're working at the school where you teach, and you are working with difficult students, and you're, uh, you're navigating all the challenges that that brings about, God has planted you there as his son or as his daughter to be on mission for him. That is your special assignment. Wherever you are, if you're a son or a daughter of God, you are a saint set apart by God for special service. So be faithful. And that's the second term, the faithful ones in Ephesus. Faithful means that you are fulfilling the assignment God's given you. So quick question, again, as you look at the trajectory of your life, if you're a son or a daughter of God, no longer a stranger, but now a son or a daughter, are are you living up to this calling that God is playing on your life? Are you being faithful to that calling? Are you set apart for special service at your work or at your school or with your neighbors or with your friends? God's called you. It's not ordinary. It's extraordinary. Live up to that calling as a son or a daughter of God. In just two verses. And we haven't, even, we, we haven't really gotten to the message yet. So, beginning in verse 3. So, uh, he says, grace to you and peace 
uh, from God our Father uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a grace and peace. That means the reservoir of God's grace and peace overflow to your life. And that uh, all the treasure trove of God's grace and peace is available to those who are followers of Jesus, who are sons and daughters. And then beginning in verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who, um, uh, 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 what does it say? Who has blessed us, thank you, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters according to the good, in Christ, by Christ Jesus, according to the good pleasure of his will, uh, 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 to the praise and the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted or favored in the beloved. All right, so as you look at this, just a couple of things. Now, in context, Paul's in prison, and yet Paul was able to begin this letter to believers with an understanding of his why. I'm an apostle. Even though I'm in prison, I'm still fulfilling my role as an apostle, and I want to just bless the Lord. So he begins with this blessing, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, uh, starting out with this doxology, even though he's in prison, he could have been focused on the chains that bound him. He could have been Focus on the stench of the cell around him. He could have been focused on the uncertainty of life or death in front of him, but instead he was focused on the spiritual blessings, the heavenly blessings that God had given to him already. And he began to praise the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, that us, that's sons and daughters, by the way, he has blessed us. If you're not, no longer a stranger to God, but now you're a son or a daughter of God through faith in Jesus Christ, then God has already and continues to bless you with every spiritual blessing that heaven can deliver. Now, this sets the trajectory of our life. Because we're sons and daughters, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because of our connection with God, through faith in Jesus Christ, empowered by the Spirit of God, God opens up heaven and he pours out his blessing. This is a powerful promise. It's available to you every single day, regardless of your good times or your bad, whether your circumstances are a 10 out of 10 on the, high, uh, on the good scale or a 2 out of 10 on the good scale, regardless of where you are in your life, your circumstances, your situation, know that today... God has blessed you and is blessing you with every blessing that heaven can deliver because you are in Christ Jesus. And goes on, just as, so he's describing uh, these spiritual blessings. Just in verse 4, just as he chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters 
by Christ Jesus according to the good pleasure of his will. All right, so let's break this apart. Now, um, just laying it down for you, just I want you to listen to this, okay? Before time began, before God brought light out of darkness, before he formed the world itself, God chose you, if you're a follower of Jesus, God chose you to be part of his family. Before eternity began, God chose you to be part of his family. If you're, a, if you're a son or a daughter of God, then make no mistake, that was God's choosing before time began. Before the world was laid out. Not only that, not only did he choose you, but he determined beforehand that you would be his son or his daughter. So today, if you are, remember there are two categories. You're either a stranger to God, not part of his family, or you are a son, daughter of God, you're part of his family. If you are a son, daughter of God, make no mistake, God chose you, and he determined you to be his son or his daughter. Now, you might not, again, it depends on how steeped in theology stuff you are. You might say, oh, I can't believe our preacher's preaching that. Is he not Baptist? <laughs> you bet I'm Baptist. I'm Baptist and I'm biblical because the words in Scripture mean what they mean. To choose means to choose. To predestine is the Greek word pro or orisos, and it means to choose beforehand, determine beforehand. Both of those things you can't escape. You know, we're Baptists. Many of us raised on Herschel Hobbes, and uh, if you don't know who that is, you weren't raised on Herschel Hobbes. But many of us are Baptists raised on Herschel Hobbes, and we don't believe in predestination. Well, I'll hear, have people say, I don't believe in predestination. Of course you do if you believe the Bible, because the Word is literally in the Bible. So you can't deny it. Now, you, uh, people have been trying to explain it. That's a different thing. People have been trying to explain it since about the second century A.D., what does predestination mean? Now, we can have that discussion, but that's not the discussion we're having this morning. How do we get to predestination? Well, we're not going to have that discussion this morning. Let's just accept the fact as Spurgeon did. Now, C.H. Uh, Spurgeon, a Baptist, whenever we talk about predestination and election, that kind of thing, we always turn to Spurgeon because he makes us feel good about saying stuff. And Spurgeon was a pastor back in the 19th century. Here's how Spurgeon described it. Spurgeon described it like this. If you're a son, daughter of God, you've been, uh, you've placed your faith in Jesus. You've been brought into God's family. You've been adopted as a son or a daughter and you die and you go to heaven. When you look upon the pearly gates and Jesus with his nail pierced hand is leading you through the pearly gates above the pearly gates. Here's the quote. This is Spurgeon talking above the pearly gates is whosoever will may come. Isn't that beautiful? Whosoever will may come. And again, we see this in Scripture. And then as you pass under the pearly gates and enter into heaven, and you look back upon the gates you've just passed, on this side, on the heaven side, that same banner says, chosen from the foundation of the world. I don't know how it works. And I'll be honest, I've been studying this for 30 years now. I don't know how it all works. But here's what I know. God chose me, and I'm part of his family, and you can be too. 
Now, here's the thing. Um, when we determine or when we uh, understand that God chose me to be his son or God chose you to be his daughter, when we understand that God chose us, that should shape everything about us. Uh, that changes us. When we understand who God is, he is the creator of the cosmos, the, 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 the master of the universe. He is the maker of all things. And he determined, he looked down the corridor of time and he saw Eric Thomas. He said, Eric is going to be my son. Good gracious. Doesn't that change how you view your own experience in your own life? It changes the way you look at your everyday life. I've been chosen by God himself to be his son. If you're a follower of Jesus, understand God chose you. We know the power of being picked. We know what that does to us. I moved to Dallas from Williamsburg, Kentucky and went to uh, elementary school, first day of elementary school, and, and it was tough on me. I wasn't wearing the right kind of jeans and didn't have the right kind of hair and didn't have the right kind of clothes, and it was only the fourth grade, and they were still treating me like I was a pariah. Get to recess, and I get to recess, and I don't have any friends, and they're going to play dodgeball, and I decide I'm going I'm to play dodgeball with all these people, and I'm going to show them who I am, and I get up there, and, and they start picking, and these two people start picking. I could beat either one of them, but they start picking. They're the captains. And they pick, 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 and they pick. But they didn't know me. They didn't really pick me. I was just left over. And I got to play. We know the power of being picked when somebody says, yeah, I want you. Yeah, I, I want you. You realize you're a follower of Jesus Christ. God has said, I want you. I pick you. I choose you. You're my son. You're my daughter. You belong to me. And it wasn't because you're going to be something good. It's not even because you're going to be something great. It's not because you did anything at all. It's according to the good pleasure of his will. He said, I want you to be the object and the recipient of my love. Will you be mine? And we say, yes. And we abandoned our sin and we put our trust in Jesus. We became sons and daughters of God, adopted into his family. So, what does that mean? You might say, oh, that's a lot of words. You haven't even gotten, and no points have come up on the screen yet. <laughs> All right. Well, here come the points. You ready? Because I'm adopted, I have a positive filter to focus my days. A positive filter to focus my days. I love, um, I, I love taking selfies with my granddaughter, Nora. Um, I take pictures with Nora, and, and even... Now, she's three and a half. She's gotten to the place where um, you take a picture with her, and immediately she says, can I see? She wants to see what that picture looks like. Now, if I take that picture, a picture of me, and I say, can I see? I'm not looking for the delightful face that I know is going to be there. I'm looking for the lines and the creases on my face. <laughs> did, did I have anything in my nose? So anything in my teeth? What does my hair look like? <laughs> I'm looking not, not for the beauty. I'm looking for the flaws. You know what I'm talking about? I'm looking for the flaws that are there. I'm looking for the, for, for the faulty um, things that I see in my face or, 
or in my hair, and, and, and I'm looking for the negative. But, but when we understand that we've been adopted by God into his family, we have a different filter. We're no longer looking through the lens of a flaw. Uh, we're not looking through the filter of flaws, but now we're uh, filtering our lives through the positive focus that I am a son, I am a daughter of God. This is what Paul was doing. Paul was facing death. He was either in a Roman imprisonment or a Caesarea Philippi uh, imprisonment. We don't know which, but either one threatened death for him. And he didn't and write, in, and when he wrote in, uh, his letter to the church at Philippi, he said, I don't know if I'm going to live or die i don't know could be one or the other and the same thing was true as he wrote this letter to the believers in ephesus and yet he begins the letter with this good gracious he says blessed he said i'm gonna stop i'm gonna praise god i'm in prison but i'm focused on something different than these circumstances that stink I'm focused on who God has made me to be and how he even now is blessing me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has already and continues to bless you and me. Now, you can focus your life on the flaws. Now, you can see the wrinkles or the expanding ball spots, or you can focus as Nora does on the beauty. She's like, man, I look good. <laughs> can I tell you? Man, you look good. Not because of what you do. Not because of what you've done. Not because of what you will do. Not because of, of the no gray in your hair or all gray in your hair or um, uh, the, uh, the, the porcelain-like nature of your skin or the wrinkly nature of your skin. Not because you're attending a worship gathering or not attending a worship. No, you are beautiful. You are beautiful because God has blessed you and brought you into his family and you're a son, you're a daughter, and God doesn't make any junk. He has created you to be his, and he has graced you. You begin the day, and you start thinking, oh, my goodness, how God has blessed you. There's only one source of blessing in this world, and that is God. And everything that I got is a blessing from him. And you begin this morning. I got up this morning for 30, something like that. My alarm was terrible this morning. I've got to change that. The alarm went off and it was like, and, uh, and I got up and I got dressed and I uh, went and, and kissed Edie goodbye and, and, and got in the car and went over here, drove over here and got in the office and I studied and I prayed and I printed stuff out and I did stuff on my computer and then I got over here and began worshiping. It's been great ever since. It's been wonderful. And we can do life like that. We can just get up, and it's what I do every Sunday morning, get up and do all that stuff. But it's so much bigger than that. Goodness gracious sakes of life. I, I, I was able to breathe this morning. God gave me breath in my lungs. What a blessing. He, he gave me two feet to stand on, to walk into a bathroom, to fill the chill. He, he allowed me to have my precious wife laying beside me and, and saying sweet things to me, not just 
would you be sure and not turn on the light and wake me up? Or it, she doesn't say that. She says, she says, kiss me goodbye. I mean, I mean that, what a blessing. I, I got in the car and I remembered how to turn the car on. I remembered how to get to my office. Hey, I, I was able to print stuff out. I was able to type things on my computer. All these are blessings from God. But more than that, I got up today, and no matter what you say or what you think, no matter what you do with me, for me, or against me, today I am and always will be the son of the living God brought into his family by faith in Jesus Christ. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, no circumstance, no words, no comments, no ideas, no identities that can remove me from that greatest of blessings. And that's, your, that, that's you if you're a son and daughter, not a stranger. God's given us a positive focus, a filter to focus our, our days. What are you focused on? What are you focused on? Stop focusing on all the things that, that oh my goodness, and, and it's hard. We can, we can hear the clank of the chain. We think I'm doomed. We can hear the stench of the smell and say, man, I, I want to be clean. We can think of, 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 of the uncertainty of tomorrow and, and be filled with dread and anxiety. And I get all that. I do. But the thing that should control our thoughts and our imaginations and our, our ideas are not all the, those things, but rather the one true thing that I am a son. I am a daughter of the living God because God chose me before the foundation of the world. Oh. So that's the first thing, being chosen by God, being, being predestined to be sons and daughters of God through faith and according to the good pleasure of his will. Man, it's just amazing truth. That I, I, I have a positive filter through which I can focus my every day. The second thing that, that, that this text means is because I'm adopted, I have a purposeful pattern to direct my every day. There's a purposeful pattern. Uh, I, I get up uh, in the morning and I have um, a note card. I began, I, I used to do the Franklin Covey day planners and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I, very intentional about those things. Then switched to digital. And I don't really like digital. I like digital in some ways, but I, I, I need something to write down with, right? And so about uh, eight or nine years ago, I switched to a note card. I have these note, these note cards, and I do these note cards. And um, the note card for today, um, and I usually do them the day before. Um, so Monday night, Monday afternoon, before I leave the office, I set my card for Tuesday and that kind of thing. Y'all know how it goes. All right, so this is for today. Sunday, January 7, 2024. Um, 4, 5, 6, and 7 a.m., and then uh, in, it's supposed to be red. It looks more pink now, but uh, it's supposed to be read, bracketed off, sermon, prep, prayer. Okay? And then uh, uh, 9, 10, 11, uh, 12, bracketed off in purple, corporate worship. That's what we're doing right now. And then there are a couple of things from 12 to 5, mainly a Dallas Cowboy game in round 4. Um, <laughs> and so I have that and, and do that. All right? So, uh, so that's on this side. And then, and then on... 
on the, um, on the right side, the right column, is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and that's my it's my to-do list, right? And so I have my to-do list. My to-do list uh, changes. I try not to get more than ten because if I get more than ten, I'm just playing games. I'm not really doing anything. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? All right. So uh, for tomorrow, or the things that I've got to do today to get ready for tomorrow, one is staff agenda. Two. Uh, Tuesday morning, I'm leading uh, our men's brotherhood group Tuesday morning. Got to get that together for that time, which starts at 7 over at Crossroads. Y'all want to come there? It's going to be great. Uh, third thing is, quote, ask the pastor, and I'll let you know more about that in a couple of weeks. Uh, there's an ask the pastor thing that we're going to do. Four, uh, monthly video thing that I want to do, uh, and then five, six, seven other things uh, that are just for me right now. Uh, anyway, so, so that's my to-do list, and that's great. And then at the bottom, which is blank on Sundays, at the bottom are, are the long-term things, the, uh, the difficult things that I need to handle. That, that's, the, that's the big frog that I've got to swallow first kind of thing, and I put that at the bottom. It's usually just one thing. But that's, that's how I organize my day, right? What Paul does and what God does for us, because we're sons and daughters, he gives us a plan for our day, and it's very purposeful. It's according to the good pleasure of his will. I want you to take note in verse 4. I, I promise it won't be much longer. Take note in verse 4. It says, um, I, think, I think it's verse 4. I'll, I'll kind of go verse 4. Uh, yeah. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, and then there's that word that, or so that. Uh, in the Greek, it's a preposition. Uh, um, uh, that, that tells us the purpose of the choosing. So it's a prepositional phrase that follows. It tells us the purpose. He chose us for a purpose. What is the purpose? Here's the purpose, the goal. The goal of him choosing us, adopting us as sons and daughters, here it is. First, that we be holy. Second, that we be blameless. And third, that we walk in love. All right, so if we break that down, here's my to-do list for today and tomorrow. First, I'm going to be holy. What does that mean? It means I'm going to fulfill the assignment that God has separated me to do. Remember, hagios, hagioi, holy. It means to be separated by God for special service. What is the special assignment that God has given me today? Today, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say, God, what do you want me to do? God, whatever it is, I'm doing it. This is it. This is my pattern. This is, this is what I'm all about. God, whatever you want me to do, I'm doing it. Today, today, God, just show me. God, God, lead me in the path. I'll walk it. God, tell me what to do. Who do you want me to talk to? Is there somebody you want me to share the gospel with? God, whatever it is you want me to do, today, I'll do it. I'm going to be holy. Uh, attached to holy is blameless. That's the second term. So holy and blameless. Now, blameless uh, deals with the purity issue, right? Uh, to be blameless means that I'm going to deal radically and ruthlessly with my sin without exception. 
So I wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fulfill the assignment. I'm going to be separated for your service today. Secondly, I'm going to deal radically and ruthlessly with my sin. I'm going to be blameless before you today. If uh, it, it, God, here's the sin that I see. Here's the sin that I don't see. I want to ask you by your Spirit's power to equip me to, get, to be victorious over sin. God, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to kill the sin that I know so easily besets me. I'm going to run this race with endurance. I'm going to do what you call me to do. I'm going to mortify my flesh. Old language that means I'm going to, I'm going to do uh, what I need to do to make sure that I'm not sinning against you. I'm, I'm going to deal with my sin. I, I'm going to deal with my sin. And even if I fall, falter. Even if I sin today, I'm going to reset toward blamelessness through confession and repentance. Because I, I don't know if you're as adept at sinning as I am, but I'm pretty adept at sinning no matter how diligent I am to beat that sin down. And I've discovered that um, Part of the process that leads to me being more like Jesus is being quick to acknowledge the sin once I've done it and confess it and repent. And the longer I leave it to fester, the less I look like Jesus, right? If I'm going, if I'm going to be blameless, that means I'm going to deal radically and ruthlessly with my sin. I'm going to confess and I'm going to repent and I'm going to reset to blamelessness. Does that make sense? This is what I do today, tomorrow, the next day. Wake up, God, what's the special assignment? I'm going to do it. God, I'm going to deal radically and ruthlessly with my sin. And then the third component of the purpose is to love. To love others the way Jesus has loved me. It's not enough for me to be holy. It's not enough for me to be blameless. I need to walk in love. As Paul says later in this letter, he says, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ also forgave you and be imitators of me, as, uh, uh, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love. We're to walk in love. People need to understand the love that we have for them because of the love that God has shown toward us. This is what his children do. Sons and daughters, here's the why. You know, you're adopted into his family so that you might live for his fame and his glory. And the way we live for his fame and his glory is we make sure that we fulfill the assignment he's given us. We make sure that we deal radically and ruthlessly with our sin. And we make sure that we love others the way Jesus has loved us. Let's bow our heads together. As we've gathered here today, I know that there are some who are here who are not yet followers of Jesus. And maybe that's you. you know, if you were to look at your life in the category of um, uh, stranger to God or a son, daughter of God, you would have to say, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm a son or a daughter. Well, I know that there are some who've been gathering with us week after week, month after month, year after year, and you're not a son or a daughter, and you really don't care to be. And, and so I, I continue to pray for you. 
I do. But there are some in the room today, and maybe events leading up to this day, or maybe what you've heard today, or what you've read today, has spurred in your heart a desire, a yearning to be a son or a daughter of God, to have your sin forgiven, most certainly. But most importantly, to have a relationship with God, to know him not as a distant deity or idea, but rather to know him personally. And God has awakened in you this desire to be part of his family, be adopted into his family. And if that's the desire of your heart, make no mistake that before the foundation of the world, God chose you to be in his family. He chose to adopt you as his son or his daughter. And he is leading you and drawing you into that wondrous privilege of being part of his family. If that's who you are, then my prayer for you is that as the Spirit of God awakens in you and gives you the faith and the courage to believe on Jesus, you see that Jesus is your only hope for entering into God's family. Jesus, who died for your sin upon a cross, was raised from the dead to make you right in God's sight, make you fit for his family. That work of Jesus is the only hope that you have. And you look to Jesus, and even now the Spirit of God is awakening in you the, the faith that you need to believe on Jesus. And so today I invite you to put your trust in Christ. The Bible says that if you confess that with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, you believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You've got to confess your sin, you know, turn from your sin, and believe on Jesus. And if you will do that, as the Spirit of God draws you, then you will be brought into God's family because Jesus has made you fit for God's family. So today, cry out to Jesus to rescue you, to forgive your sin through his death on the cross, to give you a new life through his resurrection from the dead. And you will move from being a stranger to the family of God, and you will become a son or a daughter of God. Today, I invite you to do that. Now, Father, I pray that as we worship you, as we adore you with our whole heart, I pray that you would be glorified among your people. May we who belong to you by faith in Christ celebrate who we are and the why of our life as your sons and as your daughters. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.